Uh, something important that you just like stay like this like for like you know half an hour and then you <laughs> read you like scan like a specification or whatever or, like. Hello and welcome to another episode of work in progress. Um, I'm, I'm your host Archum and today today we have uh, Gwyn Hughes from Shock Studio. Hey Gwyn, how's it going? Good morning. Yeah, good. Thank you. Nice and to you? have you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you for coming over. Thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, our pleasure, our pleasure. I, um, um, obviously, I saw your, your bicycle today. You're, you're keeping uh, fit and healthy then in, yeah. in these times? Yes, I'm trying to use the, the bike as much as possible, really, and avoid public trans- transport if I, where I can. Yeah, um, probably wise, uh, right? Uh, yeah, it's good, yeah. The only problem was we had, a vo- we had one job in Highgate, yeah. uh, and it's a very big hill. Um, okay so, <laughs> so by the time you get to work you're drenched in sweat exactly yes oh, yeah, right. quite, quite tired when you get to the back but it's great going home yeah because obviously <laughs> the, the, the bike that you have is not it's not one of those bikes that has enough gears to actually go up the hill easily yeah. right no, so yeah. you have to really work for it that's that's right uh, it's a perfect london bike but yeah. not a perfect highgate okay. bike really <laughs> <laughs> all right cool cool all right well uh if you can um you know, introduce yourself and uh, tell us about your business and your services. That'll be that'll be a good start. Yes, um, Gwyn Hughes. Um, uh, the practice is Shog Studio. Um, we're architects, uh, urban designers, and interior designers. Um, also, um, we're a small, very compact team um, based um, b- based in uh, in Islington, in North London. Um, we're a fairly new practice, um, but we, we're very experienced individually and uh, in different directions. Um, so when you say new, it's not really new; it's like over three years now. Uh, three right? years, yeah, yes. So but it, in architectural t- terms, that mm. that's fairly fairly new. Yeah. Um, as projects projects go, when you start a project, it's usually even if it's a small project, it's it's you know one one to one to two years from beginning to end usually um mm-hmm. but so we've done two two build projects um start to finish uh so far uh, and then we've got another couple in in planning uh at the moment um one that's due to um get permission this month we know that it's getting permission um but we're just waiting for that really mm-hmm. um yeah. So, um, do, you have, do you have much uh, delays nowadays with planning? Because, like, uh, I heard a lot of people complain that instead of eight to twelve weeks, it, it can take like three, four, five months to get planning. Yes, because of the backlog and everything else, right? Exactly. And also, the larger organisations uh, seem to have dealt with the pandemic um, not as well as smaller ones, really, because mm. smaller organisations are able to adapt quicker. Mm, yeah. um, and also, there's some be- been with some of the local authorities. There's been some cyber attacks and and, okay. and things like that during the pandemic that have they've had to deal with as well, really. So, mm. so people essentially breaking the system to say, yeah, granted, granted, everything granted. E- exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So you yeah. can literally build anything you want as, lo- as long as you're a good hacker. Yeah. Just go into the planning the portal, hack it, and just put granted. Off you go. That's right. Yes, yeah. But what it, what it meant to us with, with one application, we had to resubmit, hmm. so we had to re, um, take take the application back, and then resubmit it, even though it was near 
the f you know the final stages where the approval was going to be given but because they'd been hacked i mean i don't want to kind of mention which which authority yeah. it was but right. uh, um you know so it then had to go back into the system really so um that's unfortunate right yeah so especially yeah. when it comes to like uh, to a date where it's supposed to be gone and all of a sudden you have to take you off exactly yes yeah so so usually there, there, are, there are always other things that come into the mix that actually you know can potentially extend things so mm. you know we're quite used to dealing with those really fair enough yeah. so going back to your business so what what is it that you offer to your customers um, well, what we're very good at, I mean, historically, um, experience in many sectors um, and um, we're able to kind of take ideas from one sector that we've had experience in and, and then use that into different sectors to give advantages. Um, what we're really good at is maximizing a site's value. Um, there's one job that we've done in uh, Hornsey, uh, in Hornsey now. Um, that's uh, well, actually, that's that's an extension job. But there's another one that we're uh, doing in Hackney where we're doubling the size, so it's from a one bed to a, uh, two times two bedroom apartment. So we're really trying to push the boundaries with planning. We're not inf uh, we're not afraid of getting involved and pushing planning as much as possible. Um, there's another job in Highgate in the conservation area that um, that's in a conservation area. Um, so it's usually very, very um, can, can they can be very contentious. But we 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 sail through planning on that mm. one in just in the normal three months, wow, um, well and that's because of the way that we we provide the information and justify the reasons for what we do so um, yeah. we've been very successful successful with that and we've actually you know we added an extra floor onto an existing property uh, in this contentious area so what we try to do is maximize the value really um, mm. in terms of square meters uh, square meterage as well yeah. um, so where your circulation <coughs> areas are within the property minimizing those or putting them in places that effectively give you the most usable space and sellable space mm -hmm. um, because that you know the, the ultimate reason it's either for enjoyment people want to extend or or, or build something for um, you know for leisure or for their enjoyment or um, or usually as well as increasing the value of what they've already got so we're, we're very good at uh, maximizing that really yeah uh, and obviously because of that you're probably very valuable to developers because obviously when they buy a land or like you know or in, in, in investors in general I guess so obviously if you can uh, create two one bedroom flats or two two bedroom flats or one bedroom flat and a plot of land that that's very valuable right so you can increase the GDV by quite a lot exactly so so yeah, so yeah it, it's it, it's amazing what you can do yeah and in, in terms of the project that you finished what were they um, w one is, um, I mean, one's a small extension um, in 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 H Hornsey, uh, and the uh, the other one uh, that was just a back garden, um, pushing out into the back garden, uh, redoing the back garden um, area, and redoing the whole of the first the ground floor, um, opening up the back, um, you know, big 
big open sliding doors uh, extend, which extend out as, so it's part of the it becomes part of the back garden really mm-hmm. um, so we've done that um, and then the other uh, project in Highgate is lifting is chopping the roof off um, a detached four bedroom house and adding basically the size of a two a large two bedroom apartment on top but we we did that within the roof but it's quite a complicated project because it's uh, an existing building so you still have to dig down into the foundations reinforce foundations mm-hmm. to hold the new structure mm-hmm. in the roof but it, it's blended in very very nicely with the existing buildings um, so it doesn't look as though there's an extra floor on top it yeah. you know it's part of the roof really so you know really <coughs> well then if, if that's the case and, and in terms of the planning because obviously you know you, you need to keep very uh, I guess friendly and professional with the planner the planning officer if you're gonna piss them off they're not gonna give you what you want right yeah. so so when you when you submit the application do you, do you create like a, a, an additional file where you essentially explain what's the benefits of this particular development how things are going to improve uh, I don't know like give them some figures and and what people are going to benefit from yes yeah, yes um, there's um, what's uh, what's known as the, the design and access statement um, and that's part of what you have to d- have to submit as, as part of a planning application um, but usually on smaller projects um, that that consi- can consist of one or two pages a four pages of a description of what you're doing but we go a lot further with that we we pre- we produce a, rep- uh, a document documented report to justify what we're doing and why we're doing it um, and then we use that um, sometimes uh, it's it's actually used to embarrass the, the planners into not being able to um, uh, contradict what the what the written and the drawn evidence seems to prove. Mm. Um, so, um, I mean, personally, I have a master's in urban design, um, and I think that, that helps a lot um, in terms of being able to deal with um, neighbourhood-wide aspects and issues um uh on the same on the same level because i i um i you know i have i know a few people in the planning department um and they all their criticism of architects mainly is that um as we have to do is is to concentrate on what the client client's needs are um but in a lot of ways they see that as disregarding the wider context but um, with my kind of experience and qualifications in urban design they can't they, they can't do that with us they have to kind of um, um, respect what um, what we we think yeah. is, is relative as long as it fits in into the wider policy of um, improving that area, really. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's important to give a pushback when when they sort of start questioning things and just sort of put them back in their place. Because if you show any kind of weakness, I think they're going to just exploit and they're going to just pile on. Yeah. I, I think that's like with any situation. So if if yeah. people see that you're not confident enough in any way, and they will benefit from you, you know, not. I mean, obviously in this case they don't really benefit from anything. You know, they're just proving their point. And I guess it's just like an ego 
ego battle more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they sort of look at the, you know, they look at it as, okay, well, you came to me, you need to prove that this development is beneficial for the area. Yes. And, yeah. and for the community in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, we, we don't have, you know, we have a respectful relationship with, with the planners and, and we like to argue things from um, the, the viewpoint of reason. Mm-hmm. So if something is reason is reasonable, you can justify something that's reasonable, um, and that's what we try to do really. But, uh, but we always try with the development. So obviously the clients would like to get the maximum possible for a development, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes with the smaller projects, that's more difficult because the clients are usually less experienced mm-hmm. in the process, and they don't realise, oh, well, I've I've got a piece of land this big. I should be able to fill it with whatever I want mm. but because of planning regulations and policy and very dependent on you know site specific elements that's just not the case so it, yeah. um, sometimes it's difficult to, to to get a client who's not used to to, to, um, to development to, to understand that you know even though they own something they can't just do what they want yeah, so it's getting the reasonable mm. You know the middle ground between pushing pushing it in a reasonable manner, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, any clients, even if they're getting a professional uh, help, I think that they need they need to sort of uh, understand there's rules and regulations. They need to do a bit of their homework as well. Yeah. So they can't yeah. just say, "Oh, why can't I uh, put ten houses on a little plot of land?" Well, because. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You Google it, and then they'll tell you straight away. You don't even have to have a professional for that. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just it's just how things work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you been de- uh, involved in prop- uh, not property development but land development before? Um, you, you have so many years of experience. Yeah, I have. Um, pers- I've studied in li- in Liverpool. Okay. Um, Beautiful city. It is. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a great place. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a very dynamic. But it's more of a, a big village. I. I, I, I I see the place. Um, so I did. So I have experience personally of buying a piece of land, um, which I did in in Liverpool. So um, uh, myself and a couple of partners, we bought uh, an old pub in a very very rough part of Liverpool, okay. uh, and went so went through the planning process to change that into. 14 apartments okay. it, initially it started off at 21 apartments right but through the planning process it, it was reduced down mm. to um, to 14 um, so I've uh, a lot of t- a lot of times architects don't have the ex- experience of actually doing you know going through the process of what they do with the um, with with the clients mm. but um, I do have kind of a lot of empathy with developers um, because it's you know you can potentially make a lot of uh, money uh, in the process, but there are so many chinks and uh, in the armor and things that can happen along the way just to um, just to throw you know throw the carriage off the tracks yeah. really. Um, so there's a lot of risk involved, and I, I recognise that, and um, so I'm. I'm always on the client and the developer's side, really, to push it as much as uh, as possible, and that's one thing with the planners why I do push it as much as I I do because um, a local authority is an institution, and sometimes they don't understand where when you're in a business 
um, as aspect, you know, wh when you're involved in business, what things can come and, uh, and push you in different directions. The pandemic, for instance, mm. you know, what that has, you know, if, you, if you'd bought a piece of land uh, or had a property before the pandemic, what's that done to the value? Just from purely from the point of um, not knowing what you know what the future is really, mm. um, you know, and and just that aspect has an effect psychologically on on people investing and you know the value that that people will pay for for a piece of land or a property. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people who invested they see this as a opportunity because a lot of people a lot of people struggle and a lot of people need quick you know liquid cash yes and then yeah. so you know they they go and look for you know people in in, in desperate need and uh, i think it's like with any recession because you know you could you could technically say it's a start of a recession a recession yes obviously it was first brexit now it's this so you know one on top of the other maybe you know you, we, we didn't feel all the consequence uh, consequences of it just yet no uh but i'm sure they got that well they already announced that i think the i think it was that or was it not that? I don't remember. One tax is being, or maybe corporation tax, uh, that, that's being um, uh, hiked up by 5%. Yes. So it's 19, now it's 20. That's right. It's corporation. Yeah. Corporation, is it? Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So so they, they're yeah. going to start calling back all that money. Yes. That they helped and distributed. You know, those billions didn't come from, you know, from a tree. So yes. It, it came from a budget. And that's yeah. always like, baffles me, you know. Uh, when things are more or less okay, you know, before the Brexit, before the pandemic, they were just moaning about the fact that they didn't have enough budget for this and that, whatever. And then when troubles uh, sort of strikes, all of a sudden they find like billions and billions of pounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, yeah. but why couldn't you find the same money back then when, you know, people needed that? Exactly. It's just it's yes. not a priority. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. So they don't see it as a priority. Yeah. It's the same thing with uh, Grenfell Towers, you know. It burned how many years ago now? Yeah. And only now they, they set aside two point three billion pounds to replace all the cladding on these kind of buildings exactly. all, all, all around yeah. the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also elements like the you know, with stamp uh, stamp duty, but that's only relevant if you're a first time if uh, you know, first time buyer. Hmm. But in a way that kind of changes the statistics. So so the property values have main the they've maintained their values um currently. Hmm. But what's going to happen when, you know, when the furloughs finish? Um, that's really when everyone's going to see the effects of what's happening now, because mm -hmm. that's the time where um, decisions are going to be made. Um, whether, you know, the the business is st that was there pre-pandemic is still there is still there now. Mm -hmm. So any. Um, uh, if, you know the unemployment is going to happen then really when the, when the furlough drops off and, and those kind of things so um, and that that's the point where the values will really drop yeah. and and you know they'll, they'll they'll probably be big opportunities you know to purchase land a lot and and properties a lot cheaper yeah 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 I think so too I think uh, and uh, it's been since 2008 all the people who understand this process they always say oh we can't wait till another recession because they know that there's amazing deals out there yes where people are just you know they're just collapsing and obviously 
due to their misery, you have the opportunity to, exactly. to gain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, how many how many big high street brands went bankrupt over the last you know exactly. twelve months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Debenhams was bought by uh, uh, a, a company that they were emerged like three years ago. Debenhams has been on high street for how many years? Yes, but they just got fat and lazy. That's, that's yeah. what happened, and then yeah. they just didn't they didn't keep up with the trend. Yeah, and all these big brands they just went purely online and they were selling for uh, selling their products for a lot less than Debenhams for example yes and mm -hmm. uh, they made lots of profit they made you know a uh, great business uh, model and then Debenhams was always behind kind of thing and then that's that's what happens that, yeah. that's what happens with uh, um, food, food shops as well like Morrison's I think they were the last ones to go online yeah they suffered massively due to that right yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know the lesson here is that you just need to keep up with the trend at least to a, to a certain degree yes you don't have to copy yeah. everything that's out there but you just need to you know understand what's important what's not for the future of your business yeah yeah and, and also because they've been you know they've been established quite a while yeah. they have a lot of property um, which they which which they're paying for, yeah. and that's not necessarily what you need these days. As yeah. you as you say, you know, you need a warehouse and uh, you know mm. and delivery drivers to to deliver stock to your door. Really, mm. um, so it's completely changed. And yeah, you're right. So you know, technology you have to keep up with the pace of uh, progression. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Even even estate agents they have like online. Uh, viewings now, so you don't actually have to go to the property. So with the, with the technology nowadays, you can see everything that's yes. in the property. So you can have, a, you, you can sort of understand. Yeah, you you have a good idea of how the property is in, uh, internally with the finishes and with the condition of everything and stuff for like that. Yes. So that, that's pretty good. And then that's another. It's like a, a way forward for for businesses to because like otherwise, how how would people view the apartments when they were not allowed to even get out of their house? Exactly. Restrictions yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So I think it was a big American business. They introduced that two years ago, and then they said that during the COVID, they didn't have any issues whatsoever. They just sort of same same kind of workload. Right. People still signing leases and yeah, yeah, they yeah. done very well. And mm. uh, yeah, that that's been uh, that advice has been given by. Um, some some friend who who's a billionaire. He said essentially, look at your business and see what can uh, destroy you. Yes. And they were like, yeah. hmm, okay, well let's think. Well, probably something massive, you know, something yeah. massive would destroy us. And that was obviously, you know, yes, the, the pandemic. pandemic. Was exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and because he took the advice, they managed to you know prosper. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know create big profits and returns, yeah. and everyone was happy just yeah. because they took initiative. Takes how how easy it's to say ah now nah, I'll be all right. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that's again going back to Morrison. They they probably thought, well, our sales are fine, yeah. our shops are great, our quality is great, we'll be fine. Yeah. But then they just miss the fact that people love not doing much. I love clicking two buttons and having all my groceries coming to my house. Yes. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's like yeah. I, I don't particularly like during the COVID. Obviously, you had to go to the shop because all the slots were taken out. And uh, and so you would have to go and queue and and pick everything up and then and that would take on average an hour and a half to go there and back. Yes. Yeah. And then so now we're back to normal. I'm loving it literally because like I, I loved it back then. Yeah. And after that experience, I love it even more. I'm like <laughs> literally, I don't want to like. And, and it's very efficient with your time. You can do so many things during your day. Exactly. Yeah. You know, even like yeah. shopping, if you want some clothes or whatever. Like how long would it take you to go to the shopping center? do all the shopping it's probably a whole day right yes like yeah, online yeah. probably an hour you can buy i don't know 20 items and if you don't like five of them or ten of them just send them back for free because yeah. they typically yeah. give you the the return 
tags as well. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of uh, foresight um, to to keep up, really. Mm. Um, and you have to be a little bit brave to move your your business in that direction as well, because it's so easy just to sit on your hands and, and keep things as they are, isn't it? But you know, yeah. if that if if you do that, then you know you suffer the consequences when something like this does happen. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think change is always good. Uh, although mm -hmm. uh, you know most people don't like change, you know, I would say that even I sort of not I'm, I'm not I, I don't really cling to change. I, I welcome it most of the time, but you still have that feelings that oh well I don't know if that's going to be a better move or not. Yeah. But typically, yeah. it's always a better move because you learn something, you, you do something new. Um, you know, you do something that maybe others don't do yet. Yes. You know? like yeah. If you do, for example, voice on Alexa, if you start promoting yourself on Alexa or some, some other way, you know, that's something that people don't do as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, give it five years, everyone's going to be on Alexa. So you'd be saying, uh, you know, all the toothpaste and then that's it, it's in the bag, it's on on its way kind of thing. Exactly. So literally yes. one sentence. Yeah, yeah. And then how are you going to compete then? Exactly, so yes. It'll yeah. be about branding. So yeah. it'll be like, yeah. Are you a big enough brand to be even there? Yeah. Because how many businesses are there? And how how many results can you know Alexa or, or the, there's a bunch of others that would be able to actually give you? Exactly, and you know this, this podcast is one example yeah. of that. You know what what you're doing in that direction really yeah. as well. And, yeah. and it's been and, and again it started probably what ten years ago, right? Where, pe yeah. where people start doing podcasts and yeah. everyone's been looking like, well, what the hell are you doing now? So look, look, how, like it's millions of podcasts and yeah. there's yeah. podcasts literally about everything, yes. about Smurfs, about water, about dust, <laughs> about like whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy, and, and there's yeah. always there's always audiences, and that's the funny that's the funniest part. It doesn't matter like if, if it's, you have to be passionate about something. And yeah. There's always people that want to listen to you yeah, and, yeah. and watch you and learn from you. And it's global as well. And it's, it's global. It's like, just not neighborhood wide anymore. How, how, is it? how yeah. crazy is that? You can literally you can you, know, you can potentially speak to like billions of people at the same time. Obviously, that's not the case. But yeah. you know, yeah. in theory, if everyone had a connection. Yeah, and, you have, and and what you say is interesting enough. Yeah, you know, you can speak to so many people at the same time. So that's 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 an opportunity that you know people never had. Obviously, back yeah. in the radio days, you know, it cost a fortune to go on the radio and and do anything, any kind of ad or you know radio show or whatever. That would be insane. Now you can do it by yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then as long as you know how to promote it and and you know put it out there and your content is good then you know again you just put yourself out there and then you know letting everyone know we're here you know we're doing yes. something we're not yeah. sitting on our hands exactly yeah so yeah. i think that's important um very good going back to you sorry i was just talking too much about that's okay. what i think <laughs> uh, it's a two-way discussion that's, that that's, is, uh, that is. that's uh, how it should be that's right uh, in, in terms of the design so interior design do you, do you sort of get involved in that and if, if if you do do you like how, how do you how do you furnish for example uh, a property um, well, we have a, an interior designer. I mean, she, she's uh, South Korean, um, okay. so we do some work in South Korea. Um, oh, wow. So we've d done some interiors for developers in in South Korea. How different is that, though, from UK interior um, design? Very fast. So anything, if it takes three months to do here, it takes a month month over there. If it takes three years to do over here, it take a year. What about the design itself? Is it completely different? What kind of like? Well, no, it was more London style. Ah, it's a London style, okay. Fine. But um, what we did is we um, so there was a, a development of uh, two hundred apartments, uh, and there's there was so the 
the spearheads, the, the, the penthouses, and one row, one type of apartments. We we designed that. Well, our in, interior designer designed that, mm. um, and the all those types of apartments sold in one week when they what? were issued. Really? Week. And it was based on London style, so it was a London style apartment, and this was for. Um, Holland Park type of area in Seoul in South Korea so um, yeah so we have some aspects some things that we're doing um, in South Korea and some some here um, maybe I, I should have mentioned that at the beginning really <laughs> that's good. but uh, uh, and our interior designer as well um, uh, she's been a finalist in global um, interior design awards uh, Amazing. Uh, three or four four times as well so um, uh, and very, very able to design something that um, has gravitas, which is um, hits the spot, but is not necessarily expensive to do. So mm. very original ideas. Um, previously, before before um, she joined uh, joined the uh, you know the practice. Oh. Um, she she did the interiors for um, hotel in Ealing, so she's done a few few hotel interiors, um, big brand hotel interiors, um, things things like that. So um, seems like she's doing very well for herself. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah so it's really good. It's yeah. good that she's in demand. Yes, and also um, it's it's more uh, rather than interior designer, she's a, a, sp a spatial designer um, she has a masters in spatial design so it's not just about wallpaper and color you know matching uh, cushions and, mm. and and covers and things of that like it's, it's, it's about the space and you know yeah. um, so it's more kind of architectural interiors in a way I would love to um, see her work actually yeah it sounds very very interesting yeah yeah it's yeah so the dam uh, and that's what we do so we 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 look at things from a, an urban scale down to the actual site itself but also all the way through to the interiors so we can give a bespoke service all the way through really um, and we are strong in in those areas um, uh, myself uh, uh, won an award for um, uh, a care home a dementia care home uh, in UK so that was 2017 yeah. um, and that was purely because um, you know for de dementia when you're designing for dementia mm. um, a lot of the care homes uh, currently being designed and built are long corridors and um, if you have d dementia from one step to the next you 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 won't find your room right yeah you don't remember where you yeah. are so it was all designed on the circular so it's basically four cogs so four um, circles which um, made up the wings for this care home um, and so it doesn't matter which where you went you would come back to the same place so mm. and and you you would never you know come to an end of a corridor and and, and stop and and, and not know where you are. I can um, see why you got an award. That, that that's a very yeah uh, sort of you know different idea rather than yeah because as soon as you said corridors because I've, I've been to hospitals before and then 
I think I've been to care homes. Yeah, I've been to care homes before as well. And, and that's how it is. It's just long, long corridors everywhere, and it's, it's like a hotel-style uh, rooms on every side. And yeah, you know, people with issues obviously they'll they'll find it very difficult to yeah. find their their home. Exactly. Yes. And and um, with this particular job, I mean, sometimes it's very difficult to keep the client happy. <coughs> to keep um, the users, you know, the st the staff of the facility happy, the the contractor happy, the developer. But um, uh, a lot of the times, um, you would think that building something circular means that it's going to be more expensive. But what it actually meant was that instead of having to have three lounges, three dining rooms, you would have one larger one centrally so you actually spa save on the amount of square meters that you have to build mm. so the you know the developer was very happy because the build cost was a lot less the operator was very happy i mean uh, and the design was done in conjunction with their specialists in dementia um right. obviously um but the operator was very happy because it meant that there was less uh, you needed less staff to look after um, to look after the residents, and they could spend more of their time doing productive things with the residents rather than going to find somebody who 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 was lost because nobody got lost mm. any, anymore. You know, okay. So, well, so. very good result then. So you yes. you know you've done it for. Uh, with the with the reason with the with the goal in mind and you achieved it yeah so yeah so that, that was at, at a previous uh, practice before starting up our, yeah. our, um, you it's know, definitely good to have that kind of stuff in the background right exactly yes it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, your yeah. resume is uh, yeah is full of these kind of things and obviously I, I, I think it just wins a lot of trust from potential customers so obviously they look at you who you are what you've done before and if you have projects like that behind you it's just like you know it's very easy to win them over yes win, the, yeah. win them over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And in terms of um, inspiration uh, for your new projects like for example this one and then your other projects sort of do you do you go to sort of specific websites for example or you draw inspiration from just local architecture or, or just sort of you know some other mediums that you sort of um, go to uh it's a mix really it's uh, you know um online um you know there's uh, i mean am I, am I allowed to kind of mention a few yeah of course yeah, yeah. um you know design we look at design um there's a lot of good arch uh, articles mm -hmm. about design um i've always liked the architectural review because they um in uh, they'll they, they will do a specific topic um so there will be different examples of you know of care homes for example or of schools um you know or they'll do libraries and then they'll discuss that in detail so um you know there's those kind of things that every architect will will usually refer to and look at but also wh when i'm on my bike um you know going through through town mm -hmm. in, a, in a, wall, a, a specific area. I mean, on my way here this morning, I had to stop and take a few shots of details of parts of buildings that I'd like to use um, and I think are interesting. And we don't have a specific style because I think it's, I mean, have you seen, there's a film called The Fountainhead, which every architect has seen. Right. Um, and it's about this architect who 
just wants to design and build his own vision um, and I don't prescribe to that type of architecture really because I think the the design always comes from what the specific site tells you and gives you so you know if there are three story buildings either side then you know the the evidence is in the site of what uh, how you can uh, manipulate it and and develop the the design to to suit that that area so a lot of our designs are different and that's because every site is different mm. um, so you know I'm not uh, I don't try to impose what I want on a specific on a particular um, site or area uh, I want it to fit in but mm. I, I want it to have something special mm -hmm. and and be quietly elegant really than just be hey look at me yeah. kind of kind yeah. of thing. You Have know? you done any travelling at all to other cities that inspire you? Um, yes, yeah, I've, I've travelled uh, travelled extensively in the States. Um, I lived in France for a year in Paris. Um, I, I've been to South Korea uh, quite quite often, um, in a few Asian countries. I went mm -hmm. to Jap Japan last year. Um, uh, and that's Japan's very interesting architecturally, mm. um, you know, with really the terms of yeah. historic, you know, the the traditional architecture and the modern architecture mm. is is very is is very good. Have um, you managed to get to Chicago at all? Uh, I did uh, a long time ago. It's uh, the coldest place I've ever been. <laughs> yes, because of the, <laughs> the massive lake ne next to it. Exactly, the wind yeah. from the, uh, the it's the the windy city for a reason isn't it it's pretty crazy that it's a lake but it feels like it's on the on the coast of a you know pacific ocean exactly right? it's a sea isn't it, it in a i way. mean it's, it's insane it's so cold yeah yeah, yeah. um because uh i went on a on a boat ride there you know there, there's a boat ride and then apparently chicago is one of the landmarks and, and like go-to places like a mecca for architects that they got they, they have to go and see it yeah, because yeah. there's such a combination of architecture features and it's the sort of you know decades of different features of architecture, and then they all they all, they all kept, they all preserved, um, and then, and there was like a, a long, it was like two hour tour on a boat, and uh, yeah. it was talking about you know buildings and the showing all kinds of architecture, very different to it wasn't like you know it wasn't like if you go to for example to Dubai, yeah, it's all, it's all new, brand new, <laughs> brand new, everything's yeah. like fantastic yeah. and amazing, but it's all in, in the same kind of ca uh, characters, bonkers cam uh, yeah. character in Dubai. In, in Chicago, it's literally you know you have 1950s, 1960s, and you can just see how it's been evolving. And and the last time I was there, they were building some crazy uh, skyscraper, very modern as well, similar one that they've built in Dubai, where I, I think I think that they, they rot rotate on their own axis. Oh right, yes. So yeah, I think yeah. they were building something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing what people can yeah. do. Like you know, the engineering is just bonkers. Yeah. And obviously the architecture on top of that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting place, isn't it, Chicago? Because Al Capone came from Chicago, didn't he? Um, but also the Pullman carriages, they, they were built there. And there was a bit um, a bit like Bourneville here, where they built a, um, a village for the workers. Hmm. Um, they did the same there um, for the builders of the carriages, the train carriages, the right. Pullman carriages. Mm -hmm. And you've also got um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, when I went, I did the tour 
Frank Lloyd Wright um, houses in o Oak Park, which is outside, and that's um, you know he's he's a very uh, you know a well well known um, architect from America who built about fourteen thousand. I think it was about no um, eleven hundred designs that he had built in America. Um, yes. Of uh, he also built in Japan. Um, and and it, it, and it's it's yeah Chicago is amazing because it has that you know um, the heritage and also you know the history of the architecture and all the modern modern the Sears well the old Sears Tower isn't it um, mm. and the his, uh, the Hancock Building I went up the Hancock Building that's the one with the um, the skyscraper with the uh, the cross bracing yeah um, yeah fantastic mm. place. So what, what's your favorite city in terms of architecture? Oof, uh, I don't know. That's a that's a, a new question. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think New York is very interesting, um, but South Korea, you know, Seoul is is very interesting as well um, in terms of architecture um, because you. Uh, but a lot of that, um, their urban planning. Uh, I mean that's you know one way that I you know I, I kind of I like the planning system in in the UK in one sense is that there is a certain amount of um, uh, restrictions um, whereas in in Seoul you can you can just build whatever you want really so it's unusual to see one building looking the same as the other ones and they knock down a lot of the really nice historical buildings mm. and and build something that um, doesn't relate at all to what's sitting next door to it yeah you've been to Bangkok uh, yes yes, yes that's yeah. exactly that yes <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. so funny because I've yeah. been to uh, uh, what's it called Banyan Tree I think hotel right like yeah. a five star a five star hotel yeah. in, in, literally in the middle of slums like yes. know, it was a very poor area and then all of a sudden you have this massive luxury yeah, yeah. five-star hotel with like you know it's like a completely different world yes yeah and uh and, and that's exactly what they did they, they can build a massive structure and then next to it will be you know people like literally uh, so that I, i've stepped out of the hotel walked about 200 meters and i could just see people living in the streets yeah yeah and i was yeah. like well that's that's not right so yeah well, yeah why you know yeah. Obviously, it's a big know, contrast, isn't it? It's yeah. it's a massive contrast, and, and and that that was one of the reasons why I didn't like Bangkok. I didn't like yeah. that it's like they, they give you this false false sense of luxury when actually there is you know you have you know basic problems that you can easily address, and they're just not addressing it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's such a big sprawling city as well, really, isn't it? Mm. In, a, in a lot of aspects. Um, yeah. It's 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 like overcrowded and uh, obviously you know before you go there uh, you, you get obviously you know, warned against like um, local food and that kind of stuff so you can't drink really outside you can't yeah. eat outside so you have to be very very careful because you know the hygiene and everything else is, is, yes. is nowhere near what we have here for example yeah um, you know I'm sure most of the places are fine but just you have to be you have to be careful yeah uh, but yeah, in in terms of what they build, yeah, it's essentially just sporadic. You know, there's no, there's nothing like you know keeping in 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 uh, in character of the local area or anything like that. People yeah. just like demolish a patch of land, just bang, yes. you know, bang, bang, yeah. bang, and just yeah. like, hold, hold, like hold, there's obviously a lot of hotels. Yeah, 
and it, there's a good aspect to that because it, it um, you know, it does mean that um, the economy develops as fast as it can. Whereas, um, but it, it's you know, it, it goes the other way really, where there's it, there's not enough kind of restriction um, to allow it to de develop in a homogenous way, in a in a, in a, in a structured way. Um, and sometimes here, uh, especially with smaller developments, I think you know the, the planners have too much of a hold. Uh, it takes such a long time sometimes with very small projects to get planning permission. Mm. Um, and you know sometimes the, the, the planners make decisions that the architects should be making on aesthetics and mm. things of that. Uh, and I, I, they don't try to do that, but ultimately that's what happens. Um, because you know the architect gets told, well, you know we w w we wouldn't accept this, or we we don't like that. We you know we want to see this, which is in a way is a design decision. You know, um, I went to Ho Chi Minh um, three or four years ago, mm. um, and that seems to be developing. You know, when you talk about Bangkok, yeah. that that city seems to be developing but um in a in, in a more kind of structured way but obviously it's you know it's a communist country so mm -hmm. it automatically would do that but there's some very very new good new developments happening in that s sector but they're kind of they're placed in certain areas of you know of the city and it seems to be much more controlled and know where that is happen happening really mm -hmm. whereas Bangkok is as you say it's it's kind of not as structured at yeah. all is it yeah. yeah going back to London um, do you deal a lot with builders at all yes yes so how, yeah. how, how's the experience in general and uh, do, do you work with uh, certain companies that are being recommended or how, how does it work yeah well some, sometimes we search for um you know specific types of of builders mm. to, um because obviously you know some um some construction companies don't want certain jobs they're too small they're too big mm. they're not the right type uh so sometimes we do we have to do research in order to select contractors for a tender um uh, and so you, you know we do different types of contracts as well sometimes the client just wants to take on a design with a builder that they know and trust um, directly mm -hmm. um, other ones like the one in the Highgate one that we've we've just just finished now um, we um, project managed that so we, we we did the contract administration for that as well um, and and then we deal, you know. So we we selected the co the contractor for, uh, from a, um, from a shortlist um, for that project, and we project managed it um, all the way through as well. Um, I mean, I think uh, I started uh, I started out as an architectural technician, so mm. I'm fully qualified in the technical. So I. I know how to put a building together yeah. so I like to get involved in all aspects really um, so I understand more of you know rather than just the design aspect um, I you know we take pride in in putting the, the building 
to, uh, together properly mm -hmm. so that the builder is able to kind of construct it as well. Um, and there are always, um, you know, the whole building process is a process of friction between, you know, really, I mean, uh, friction is how things are made, you oh. know, like you, you create heat. So uh, a design, when you're designing and getting planning, that what you're looking to achieve is a certain um, aspect of how it looks, how much space you have, how it works, how it mo how you move through the spaces, uh, how it fits into the environment, and then once you've gone to that space, then it's it's how do you how do you build that, and how do you how do you um, detail it in a in in a way so, and there are automatically clashes from moving from that process to the now now we need to build it process um, so I usually you know we have very good relationships with the um, with the builders because there is you know what the client is looking for I mean it depends if the if you're working for a developer who's the client and and you know um, and they may be the builder as well mm. uh, or you know, f um, for the Highgate job, for instance, the the client, you know, it's, it's uh, um, a retired couple, so they need somebody to represent them. They don't understand anything about the, you know, construction and, and design. Um, so that is my job to kind of smooth that process between what they're going to get and, and and what they what they receive. So, you know, the project. Largely, I mean, there were, there were issues. There are issues in every uh, every project, um, but I understand when it's something that the builder cannot avoid to do, or is an extra cost. Um, and you know, uh, sometimes, uh, and, and you know, the fact that I can un uh, understand where those aspects are helps me to be able to be able to kind of smooth the process between the client and you know sometimes say to the clients well you know this is a necessarily element you know um with with a high gate job for instance um we didn't have existing plans of the property so we had to kind of dig you know uh, do uh, you know um, do more investigations to find out what was there and the foundations had been completely over engineered to mm. what they needed to be or what you would expect to be so we had to adapt that and obviously that you know there was some contingency costs for that and being able to kind of uh, and that's not the fault of the builder um, uh, and you know so, so I'm, I'm able to kind of see w what is um, an aspect that um, you know, couldn't be avoided really um, unless we spent a lot more of the client's money pre going to sites to do those investigations you know at the time what what we did was we did those investigations um, at the initial stages of, of going to site and that ended up being cheaper for the clients than digging and finding out what was there beforehand and then uh, having the extra cost of, of then going to the to site to kind of take it out again once they decided that they were going to go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, um.
So it's funny, one of our followers on YouTube, I believe, asked us to, to create a video about uh, how is it how, how, how is it on daily basis to be a, con a contract administrator. Yeah. I think you just, you just said exactly how it is. You know, you have to, you have to represent uh, sort of the customer, but at the same time be sort of, you know, fair to everyone. Yeah. To see what's, what's reasonable, what's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, check a lot of things, uh, manage a lot of things, uh, you know, deal with problems that that's like probably one of the biggest things right so you just have yeah. to you're always there you're like a firefighter there's always there's a fire you have to be on it straight away yeah um yeah. what would be like the biggest challenge of of being a ca on the job is that essentially just finding the golden middle for everyone to work like so so everything works kind of thing because obviously you know, the builders they may they may want more a lot more money than what's reasonable in your opinion and then the customer obviously wants to save and he doesn't want to go over budget and then there's always that you know clash between the two parties yeah and you have to kind of is, is that is that the biggest challenge um well that's a challenge on every project um but that is the friction and you know when when you make babies there's friction but it's you know good example. It's, it's it's a good friction you know but it's something that you can't avoid as well um because of you know the two aspects meeting i um i think it's important not to see it as um a prob a problem but just something that you can't avoid when when you try and when you're trying to make an uh, an idea which a, a design is it's on paper so essentially it's an idea that you need to make make real and whenever you take an idea and try and make it real uh, there are going to be clashes and frictions mm. that need need to be smoothed smoothed out and worked out and um if there is a um a reasonable route and and there usually is i i find that there usually is because if if you if you try and impose um something on a, on a on to a contractor which may not be fair then usually they find other ways of 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 making the money back anyway um you know it can can happen so you know usually the smoothest route is the right the right route um yeah and, and being able to make the you know the um the you know the clients understand why something is needed if it's needed or whether the you know some emissions need to be done on onto the design to to save money in other aspects yeah um because otherwise, it's uh, obviously if you know, if you're not being put, uh, fair to the to all parties involved, it's just like it becomes some sort of like a revenge game. You know, it's like okay, well you've done this to me, now I'm gonna do this to you, and then yeah. it's, and it's yeah. just like a unnecessary war and a dispute that didn't even have to happen. So yeah, uh, and yeah. it's funny because like some sometimes when some some of our clients start to become in a, in a uh, start to uh, talk in a certain manner. I like sort of tried to stop them straight away and say, listen, you know, we're all friends here. Yeah. We're all trying to get to the same outcome. Let's not try to, you know, yeah. do yeah. all that because it's just not, not worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because usually, you know, the con uh, every every builder, uh, um, or most of the builders I've worked for, they, you know, and the people involved, they want to do a good job mm. and they want to see a nice, nice product at the end of it. And then there are obstacles that come in the way that need to be um dealt with you know yeah. um, and sometimes sometimes we project manage sometimes we don't depending on what the what the job is 
Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the jobs uh, we don't, you know, these days the architects don't project manage. Um, but sometimes I find that, you know, um, when a, spe uh, a specific project manager is brought on board, a, an independent uh, project manager is brought on board, sometimes there can be a tendency to um, to make issues that may not be there because that's their job to kind of smooth things out and mm. if there isn't anything that needs smoothing out sometimes there's a need to kind of create an issue so that they can smooth it, it really out yeah. <laughs> we, we, we Which, have people working for us like that there would be literally there would be a job with no issues whatsoever and they would just come on site and just create issues out of literally thin air yeah 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 and uh, you would ask them questions like well why would you even ask that there's there's what what's the benefit of asking that yeah, yeah. And uh, we had we had a basement um, in uh, Shepherd's Bush that we had to dig out, and then so we've done it to a point, and then drawing suggested that we had to go all the way under the stairs. Yeah. But you couldn't because they would just essentially collapse. Yeah. So we obviously stopped just before the stairs, and that's it. We didn't do further. And it was a big enough basement anyway. And then so he came to site, and uh, he had a look, and he was like, "Oh, well, why haven't you done that?" And then obviously the site manager explained, "Well, this is the case." fine fine okay so he went to back to the office and, and wrote like a seven mile long email to the structure engineer to the client to everyone yeah. and just started this like uh, unnecessary discussion that lasted for a week and the end result was keep everything as is yeah 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 so it's exactly that yeah. and, and and unfortunately you know these kind of people they you know they, i think they should just dedicate themselves to something that actually matters and if, if you haven't got much to do then just say okay well i haven't got much to do give me something that that means something you know yeah, rather yeah, than just creating yeah. these kind of things because yeah, yeah i think i think uh, what you said is like yeah. resonates with, with me personally a yeah lot, yeah know? i mean obviously it depends on the size of, a, of the project um because you know um the larger the project then you know there's specific you know there's a project manager specifics but on the smaller ones um you know a personally as as the architect i i don't want because because we're we're doing the drawings we're you know supervising things on 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 site but the money's not really coming from the project management aspect that's some aspect that we do so we don't want to kind of uh, make it more of a, a job than it needs needs to be really um so always are emails are shortened to the point and it, it, you know, and and that's that's how we, we we want to work really good good yeah. in terms of builders what would be one thing that the builders that you work with can do better um uh, i i suppose i mean as as an architect what i like is um i mean i'm i'm always impressed with when i go into site and you can tell when you go into a site. You can tell that the person you're talking to, whatever their their role is, that they are interested and in what they're doing, and they're proud of what they're doing, and they want to do a good job. and 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 I really like that. And the majority of times, that's what I that's what I see. Um, but sometimes there's. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm 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 talking from a self selfish perspective here. Um, when when I go onto a site, um, if there's an issue, 
sometimes there's a reluctance to kind of help the architect to to, to propose a solution right. that that is actually the best for the client um, and maybe not the best you know to uh, to, to to provide you know more more fees for the for the contractor really because mm. um, I sometimes uh, you know maybe I'm not a very good b businessman but if I if, if I'm honest what I want to do is get the right solution for the client or you know the aspect of of that part of the p the job that needs to be to be done and sometimes it's left to um, to the architect to suggest something even though the contractor you know because I, I know my my job but I uh, I don't know I c you know I'm not very very good at laying bricks and I'm not a very good builder I'm good at what I do sure. and uh, I like I, li I like it when a, a contractor will say well you know why why don't we do it like like this because that 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 might be cheaper or this is a better solution or you know a better better job and and I think sometimes there's a reluctance to do that, um, and sometimes that's to do with quantities and how much you know something can be can be can be charged or um, you know um, that aspect. But but obviously that's you know that's that's me looking at something from my perspective, which is a, a self selfish you know subjective subjective. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 direction really. Yeah. yeah. In terms of budgeting and, and just expenditure in general, do you do you normally manage to stay within budget or or it goes over, you know, most of the time? Yeah. Well, usually that. I mean, we we always recommend a contingency sum, um, and depending on what the job is and the you know the the difficulties, uh, complications. You know, if there's basements involved or. Um, if you're dealing with an existing building, um, you know some say five percent retention is enough uh, um, contingency, but you know we, we would always recommend a ten percent contingency. Some more realistic. Yeah, more yeah to be realistic, and then if you don't need to go into that, then um, you know that's a positive uh, for the client. Yeah. But invariably, with unless you have. You know, if it's to do with an if it's a new build, it's easier to um, to have a good hold on 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 the costs. And if you've done your ground investigations and and things of like that, but with when you're dealing with the existing buildings and you don't have detailed plans of what's actually there, um, it's very it's very difficult to to stop you know the contingency sums from from being used really because you know we're, we're we're not magicians, you know. We can't. We don't have a crystal ball. You have to mm. get onto site sometimes, and you know, um, either you do, you do the pre pre investigations. You have a budget for that, or you go onto site and 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 you deal with that while you're while you're doing the works. Yeah, and then obviously if if you start with the ground, that's the the, the biggest risk as always. So yeah, if you, if you do multiple new builds ground is always obviously you know you can get the the drawings from the land registry or the u utilities that are coming into the land but you can still you know unearth all kinds of things and uh, yeah, that yeah. may cost you a hell of a lot of money that you anticipated so yeah exactly. but I think yeah. uh, as soon as you get past the ground works I think most of it is you know it, it should be very minimal yeah 
yeah. unless there's changes and things. But that, I'm talking about development. Obviously, if it's a refurbishment, it's you know it can be up and down. Yes. Yeah. And then the 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 differences there, the variations there, they're they're much much smaller. Um, but yeah. if it's a development site of say ten new builds, then yeah, as soon as you out of the ground, you know you sort of you fine, and um, you should be well within your budget. Yeah. Unless there's something else sort of you know that needs to be added so yes yeah, yeah um how did the pandemic and everything else affect you and your business um it has i mean we have seen uh in this month really um it, we've been very busy um this month there on a couple of uh you know a couple of the jobs going forward the client may be waiting until um and until things get better before they they want to go to the construction stage mm -hmm. um but up until now and it's i think it's generally um for for construction and design work it's whatever's been too far gone either on site started on site or or um has, has generally continued um through the pandemic so so we've been you know very very busy through the through the pan pandemic because we had things already on site um before um it started yeah. uh and you know and that's one thing we had to do force majeure that's the first one i've ever done which is you know um due to you know circumstance you know act, acts of god yeah uh, so that's how that they literally just press pause and that's it um yeah i mean it's it's a contractual uh, process that you have to uh, have to write but yeah. um you know what's interesting is that that was re relevant in march but after march um there's a, a big question whether that is relevant you know for the second wave because we should all all know about we, we all knew about it for the second wave yeah, yeah. so you know that isn't something so it was, it was something that you could use for, the, for in in march at the beginning because nobody'd uh, experienced that before um, but then going forward, um, you know, technically there's a, le a legal mm. um, discussion to be had there. I mean, I don't know whether you can or you can't, but it's, you know, there's definitely a legal, um, uh, a legal discussion to be had there. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people try to milk the that as, yeah. as much as they can. Yeah, and uh, obviously claim pr preliminaries and, yeah. and everything else, and and it's 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 both sides, isn't it? I think I think yeah. obviously the employers would have to let go of any liquidated damages claims and then the, the contractor uh, they need to let go of all extension of time claims but the problem yeah. is that where the customer doesn't um, have to sort of have any equipment on site or whatever the contractor does yes. but equally they need to still make the payments to the banks they need to yeah. you know yeah. ha have you know have the mortgage on the properties and everything yeah. else so I think both parties are losing out uh, yeah. due to these delays yeah and then so obviously you know the the, the, the employer wants to claim that from the, from the contractor and then the contractor wants to claim it from the yeah yeah from the employer so it's it, yeah. it's a, like very sticky situation because realistically it's you know they shouldn't claim it from from each other at all yeah somehow it sh should er, uh, everything should be placed on hold and yeah. then when things to the start again then then you know Yes, you just yeah. continue as you were. Yeah. Obviously, that's not possible. So it's a, it's. A, I think it's a very difficult situation. Definitely, because yes. e everyone's losing out essentially, yes. and yeah. and you know everyone's sort of looking at 
how to how to reconcile those losses yes yeah. it's uh, either time or you know the preliminary costs really it's what you have on site isn't yeah. it this you know the site cabins the the machines the cranes all kinds yeah, of stuff the cranes right? the scaffolding and if you're going to take that down and give it back then you'll have to put it back up and it'll yeah. cost you again exactly so it, it's it's yeah. yeah i don't really I, I don't really see how, how to win in this situation i think everyone's literally a loser yeah, uh, and it's just—it's just. I think it's a matter of whether you're a loser and you just accept your losses, yeah. or you're a loser and you go after the employer or the contractor yeah. or, or or someone else. Yeah, because the client loses the time and the you know the completion completion time, and then there's the preliminaries that you know on 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 the side of the of the contractor, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean we 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 dealt with it on the projects we had on on site. Um, and you know there was so there was basic preliminary costs that the client paid for really um you know so what was required to be kept on site what could um what couldn't be charged so again we you know we looked at that in a in a reasonable way really because obviously it's, it wasn't the the contractor's fault and it wasn't the client's fault mm. uh, you know that's what force majeure is really what? God's yeah. fault. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah so um it was a time element for the clients you know they uh, and we did have um for for the job in highgate you know the the, the client and the residents were living in the property as well mm. you know so we were phase phasing move moving the client from certain parts of the building so they you know they had to kind of endure a building site for a lot longer than um that than we initially thought that they they would have to as well which wasn't wasn't nice for them really yeah, yeah. have you have you have you noticed that you've sort of missed something in your house while you had the pandemic like you know not enough study space or gym or uh you know space to relax cinema room i don't know something or, yeah. or, or your house is uh, is is sufficient enough to to sort of entertain you during these times um well i mean exercise i'm, I'm fed up of parks right really <laughs> okay because that's all all you can do isn't it really yeah, with well. the pandemic is going to parks so uh you know i like to go and uh try and keep fit uh i used to go to the gym but now yeah. obviously you can't so yeah. you know i i pound the streets uh, <laughs> instead really um the back streets so just to try and try and keep fit really um and it's you know that's going to be interesting when the lockdown is is over you know whether people will go back to the gyms or they've got used to different ways of yeah, going to come back exercises sure. and, yeah because yeah. uh, you, you obviously you need to adapt to the situation. You can't be just like, oh well, the gyms the gyms are closed, and I'm going to be fat until the gyms are open, yes. which a lot of people do because yeah. they literally it's such an easy excuse. You know, it's just it like because yeah. uh, a lot of guys that um, um, I know from the gym f uh, after the first lockdown, I saw them in the gym. I was like, holy crap, what happened to you? Who did you eat? They were like so much bigger. I was like, oh yeah, you know, like uh, who not did you eat? Not what did you? Yeah, eat? Yeah, exactly, exactly, and. Uh, and it was weird and then but then as soon as they came back they kind of like got back into their mentality and they dropped the weight pretty quickly which is which is amazing for them but i think yeah a lot of people just use that i know a couple of people from from this building here they they, they said that to me as well you know they, they were sort of you know uh, looking for comfort mm. and they didn't have enough social contact or entertainment in general and whatever and obviously what's the easiest thing as a you know 
easy pleasure. Yes. Food, yeah. right? Yeah. Food yeah. and drink. So people just yeah. because that's just exactly. the easiest thing to do. And then so it keeps you sane, I guess, right? Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people did. And yeah. um, I, I, I think it depends on the the person as well because I think I think I um, decided that uh, you know because of the lockdown that. I was trying to keep myself healthier and be more mentally aware of trying to be more healthy um, initially because you didn't know what the pandemic was. So the fitter you are, the more resistance you would, you would be able to have yeah. to anything. That's a um, good mindset to have. Yeah, so that was my, and I, and I think that's why, I, you know, where I, and I, so I think I, I, I drink less alcohol during the lockdown than I did before um purely because of that that aspect you really, were just staying know. smart and keep, keep keeping keeping uh keeping your game up yeah trying well trying to anyway you know obviously <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work all the time yeah, but, fair uh, enough, fair enough. as yeah. much as i can yeah, yeah. As, uh, so what's what's your experience is, is, with, is that what, what you're with the COVID? Uh, yeah, yeah. it didn't really do much to, like the, if, if anything it's all benefits for us and for myself uh, for myself, it was essentially you know I had time to think, so stop, stop yeah. the business, stop everything. Yeah, well, it was March, obviously you know loads of people got on furlough, and some some had to be laid off and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was definitely beneficial for me because I just I, I stopped doing all what I was doing, and I had time to just plan and just evaluate where we are, what needs to be done, yeah. what improvements. Take have, stock. Have to, yeah, take stock yeah. essentially. Yeah. 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 So, so that was really good. So the 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 two months that was the lockdown, um, I was still coming to work, but I was alone. So the building was empty, but I was alone. Yes. But I, you know, I was just sort of you know plotting along, you know, bit by bit every day, hammering out all the things, and then obviously there, there was a backlog of all kinds of things that had to be done. Um, and then so gen uh, gradually that's all that got done, and then I had plenty of time to plan. So when things uh, restarted, I was like ready. So I, I brought my team back and we just started hammering it down and and things started to progress again uh, and then obviously they they they, they locked us back in uh, partially I don't even remember I don't remember the the whole like time frame but I remember yeah. it was like open close open close open close kind yes. of thing and I was like yeah whatever because obviously the the first lockdown everyone was like in shock like oh wow what's gonna happen I was like we have to be at home for two months yeah. but I think later people just got fed up and they're just like yeah whatever yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like another yeah. lockdown fine yeah. give, give us another one we, we don't care anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's been like 12 months now and uh, so obviously they want to open I think 12th of April right yeah something like yeah, yeah I, I mean I've start, yes. start opening yeah, and then yeah. I think it's June where they're gonna actually open it but again you know people are so hopeful they're like oh yeah everything's gonna get back to normal I, I don't know if that's the case because yeah. they, they still talk about all kinds of variants and mutations and things like that okay yes. we have a vaccine for that one but what if it mutates into something that's resistant to this vaccine that will be like day one out like you know literally day one like groundhog day yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah. I'm, I'm sort of you know I'm, I'm 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 conscious about that and i'm like okay well let's see what happens yeah. let's not jump ahead of ourselves and think oh well let, let's go to the pub kind of thing you know yeah. that's yeah. you know that may well be not the case yeah yeah exactly yeah but yeah. thankfully uh, you know um i have i have a garden and everything else so you know i didn't really miss out on anything um i have some friends in spain and uh, they live in a flat and they had no access anywhere in spain was much more 
uh, strict, right, so they wouldn't yeah. let you to get out of the house at all. So right. literally, all the streets yeah. were empty. Wow. So the, the only time you were allowed to go out is if you go alone. So even if you have ten members in the family, you you only uh, allowed to go alone to the shop and back. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and that was for like three months for them. Oh, wow. So yeah. that was really yeah. bad. So yeah, yeah. you know, when I heard their story, I was like, I'm. I'm super lucky. Yes, I, I yeah, can still yeah. come to work. I, I had a garden. I can go out. I can go exercise, run, walk, do whatever, walk the dog. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you know, in, in in my case, it was it was it was really good. And I didn't really miss out on anything. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny because like two months later, when people start coming, start to come back to the office to the to the building. And they were, oh, how's it going? Uh, um, is is this your first day? I was like, I never left, man. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was here for hours. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, nothing really changed. Yeah. Like, if anything, I just moved further. Yeah. Uh, everyone sort of was just sitting on their hands and doing nothing, kind of thing, and just, you know, being bored out of their minds. Yeah. I was still like doing my thing, and and I think that that's very important for your mental health. You know, your routine is very, um, very important, even exactly. on, on the on the days off. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I if if I decide not to follow my routine on a, on a day off, I, I don't feel as good as I I normally feel. Yeah. Because I feel lazy. You know, like oh well, I slept too long. Well, I didn't yes. do this. I didn't do that. Like now I'm like sort of you know half a day is in the gutter and like I don't feel like I'm resting. I'm not on the beach. Yeah. You know, with yeah. A, with a cocktail. You know, it's not really rest, is it? Yeah, no, it's not, is it? It's just no. a break. It's yeah. like literally a long break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A it's long it, break. Yeah, it's interesting. How, you know, with um, uh, Sangheili, uh, interior designer, who sh she's a partner in the business as well, and she's mm. from South Korea, and uh, the way that they've dealt with the lockdown, you know, business has just gone on basically, but mm. everybody's, you know, they've done the test and trace, and 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 everybody wears masks. But the business has, you know, business hasn't kind of been affected at all. They've made sure that, you know, the uh, economy and commerce has continued really. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how different nations deal with it mentally yeah. and physically, really. What's the app? Uh, Test and trace. Yeah. Because we had we had it here. Yeah. And it was hilarious because they 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 launched it. And it wasn't obviously any good to begin with. And then when you would come to a place of like a restaurant or whatever. They'd be like, oh, uh, do you have the app? Nope. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Just go sit down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's yeah. the whole point? Like, why, why yeah. would you put like a system that's supposed to help everyone understand how things work and then not make it compulsory for everyone? Exactly. The, yeah. the situation yeah. should be like, yeah. you, you know, you haven't got it. Install it. It takes two minutes. Yeah. Scan it. Go sit down. And, and this is what I, you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And that, that should have been like, you know, because like, like, like how, how China, for example, they addressed the literally They just dragged people out, made them like, quarantine and obviously it was way too much from the videos i saw yeah but yeah. they they sort of they took it very very serious yeah. see i think it was just still very it's just a token gesture in a way isn't it yeah. um really and it was i think it was boris johnson he was like no no everything's fine everything's fine in a week's time bang just closed everything down and yeah. just like oh like you know crazy stuff yeah. and it was yeah it was it was, it was kind of funny i guess because it yeah. was like you know literally and uh, and, it, and it's strange to see that you know we, we had so many countries before us going for the same process and somehow we thought it's gonna yeah well, because we're an island we, we're not gonna suffer yeah. the same symptoms yeah. Yeah. so er everyone thought it's gonna just part like blow past and that's it and uh, yeah obviously <laughs> as you can see it's, uh, it hit yeah. us very hard like literally yeah. a month or two months ago I think we were number one in in terms of death rates for exactly a brief short yeah. uh, brief space of time yeah 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 it's 
Not good at all, really. Not good no, at all. Not, not, for, not, <laughs> not for anyone. And obviously, obesity plays a massive role. So I think being active and, and not maybe eating a little less, yes. I think that helps for your overall health. And then Definitely. obviously, because the, they do say that 95, 96% of the people just you know sort of go for it as a normal flu. So yes. uh, yeah. the, 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 the healthier you get, I guess, the, the more chances that you're going to come out on the other, on the other side yes. with less... Um, less damage exactly yeah because it does apparently damage your lungs and right the yeah. scarring and all the rest of it so yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty gnarly yeah um in terms of uh sort of giving advice what kind of advice would you give to homeowners so sort of who are considering starting a project of any sort where where where, where should they start the, the the right answer would be to call you <laughs> exactly yes yeah. Pro- prof- yeah you need professional advice really um because obviously um, there's always five or six or maybe ten different solutions for every scenario. So it depends what kind of property you have, what you want to do. Um, we would always see what would be, you know, d- uh, depending on the budget as well, but um, we would always see what, how you would be able to get the maximum out of whatever type of property that you have. Um, you know, on apartment jobs, we're 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 always able to get you know even on um, flatland like uh, new developments, uh, we're usually able to 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 get more apartments in and uh, on a development than than you would normally be able to, but but still have enough space and square meterage. As you know, obviously planning regulations has minimum standards for for apartments. But from the design point of view, we're, we're usually able to to maximise that on a plot of land as much as possible, and, and and that's the way that you increase the value of a, you know of a piece of land. And we're able to do that on on the large scale and on the small scale as well. Um, the development in in Highgate, for instance, you know th- they had a central staircase, so we kept. The central staircase, um, and it, you know, as I, we usually get a lot of people come with advice, uh, uh, you know, saying, "Well, you should do it this way, you should do it that way." But we kept the central staircase because that's the way of keeping the circulation to a minimum, mm. in order to be able to maximise the the valuable space that they get, and unless you you sit and you draw and you look at something and 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 you try different um aspects you're never going to see that mm-hmm. you know so and uh, you know as architects you know you do you do see where where you can maximize the value for your client in any any particular area um and i, I don't you know I can't, I can't speak for other architects but that's something that's one of the most important things that we do and also if you start from the point of getting the maximum out of a uh, an existing building or a site or a new site you can always work back from that so you can always make it more spacious and provide more room and less units mm. and still keep the same um, structure the, the still still keep the same design whereas it's very difficult to work from the other way um absolutely you know uh, it, it, what what happens when you when you go for the from the other perspective is you keep having to kind of redesign mm-hmm. the whole ethos of what you're you're trying to do 
I so actually asked a question of, um, to an architect. It was a planning agent, so I guess he, he was an architect. It was on my street, so it was a three-bedroom three bedroom house that they converted into two one-bedroom flats. So they put an extension, put a loft, split the flats, and, and that's what they've done. But I looked at it, and I was like, oh, they're like really big. It was like, I think it was 80 square meters downstairs and about 80 square meters upstairs b between the two floors. And I was like, mm. that's quite big. I mean, I don't know the regulations. I don't know if that, if that's enough for a two-bedroom, but like visually... It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looked yeah. like it, it could yeah. be two two two-bedroom two flats, and yeah. that would be such a massive like increase for the developer, you know, because yeah. it would be like, what, additional 100 grand probably. Exactly, yeah. And um, I asked a question to, to the architect. He never replied. and Because right. I, yeah. I said, well... Can you can you do my house for example, and you can you do can you fit two two bedroom flats? Yeah, yeah. And he, he he hasn't replied to this day, and it was definitely his email, and it was definitely his company. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I wonder if he if he if he got insulted or or he thought well maybe that's not the worst idea. Maybe I should have done it yeah, that yeah. way. Well, it could be. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, it could be uh, well depending depending what the client wants because you know the the architect works for the client so. Maybe the client had that's going uh, back enough, to what you said, yeah, enough money, and that's what they want, you know. So the the client <laughs> provides the architect provides the client with what what they want. So, it it, but it could be the you know it could be that as well that um, yeah. you know if they want to maximize the space that they have, then you know yeah, you, you, um, I mean that's what we've done on um, the property that we're doing in. Um, uh, you know where, um, where is it? it's in Dalston, right? Um, and we've got two bedrooms on each. So even in the basement um, layer, where, where you'd think, well, basement, that's not going to get a lot of light. Mm. But the way we've designed it is that all the have. I mean, you have to do this anyway. But we've made sure that there's light wells in specific areas. Um, and court courtyards, small courtyards, mm. so that you can get enough lights into each of the bedrooms um, and living space, the habitable rooms. Yeah. Um, and we've had to back that that up with a scientific report right. to prove, you know, that there's enough daylight and 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 that as well. You probably incorporate some sun tunnels or something as well. So, some pipes, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, there's a couple of sun pipes, but we didn't need them, but we've. We've put them in to to make sure that planning can't use that as a a reason to to yeah. you know to to recommend it to to refuse it really. So yeah, I like your approach that you essentially you know you give all the facts that okay why this is actually acceptable. So yeah. I guess that any planning procedure is supposed to be like that, right? So you have to convince the other party that okay this is this is the correct way of doing things, and then it's their job to see what doesn't make sense right yeah they basically just yeah. you know um, make holes in your report and say well this uh, this is actually not the case that's not actually the case and then you work together to essentially get to a point where it's all satisfactory for both parties right exactly yes and then sometimes you know if, if you don't provide that the information that uh, they will say we don't think there's enough light but you know it, they don't know they're just saying that because you haven't proven that there is, Makes sense. you know, and yeah. and that's that's what what we have to do really is make sure that they can't use certain arguments when you know that that's not the case. Um, 
and and that development as well it's um it's based on you know from urban design aspect um it's what we call the phase principle which is an urban uh, design principle that we've developed and phase FAIS stands for family accommodation integrated sustainably um and what we're doing is in in Dalston and in in Hackney is we've got one in Hackney as well um there is a shortage of family accommodation but um and in this row of townhouses the um the owners are extending out you know large extensions into the gardens but that's just for that one family to use so this is introducing two family accommodation into the space that were pre- previously in a um you know taken by um uh, a bad condition one bedroom flat so you're providing two family accommodation um spacious family uh, accommodation uh, in that space so that's of benefit to Hackney council and to you know to to, Dulce, to that area so it's an urban design strategy which means that you can essentially stitch in stitch back in to that uh, to the area to to that council to local authority area um a lot more family accommodation without having to have a huge piece of land um and build you know a massive block of apartments this is stitching in so you know it actually has an urban design philosophy mm. behind it which is helpful for that local authority but because the, it's pushing the boundary a little bit to what's what's there at the moment the council are kind of you know the, they may not be able to look at it favorably so that's where you know we like to try and push it and and push that argument because it does make sense in the long run but sometimes the um you know planning policy takes 10 years to develop before it becomes law and it's restrictive um f- to proceed with something that's actually of benefit to that area and to to the the problems faced at this point in time which you know which and that is one of them which is there there's not enough family accommodation in that borough so yeah. you know so i mean that's that's the, the thing the experience from you know the technical starting out as a technician architectural technician then qualifying as an architect and then doing uh you know the urban design master, uh, masters in urban design and i had um so i've done kind of master planning in the liverpool area which is one of the kind of you know the the poorest parts of the uk really um you know you get a sensibility of you know you, you want to kind of do something that's positive and that's not just on the, the, the you know the, what you're designing it's about the philosophy at the at the higher level really at mm-hmm. the neighborhood level at the um borough level but things that are practical to implement and um can can be done and you know you could have have a thousand of these happening in in the borough which which kind of improves the situation for fam- family accommodation mm-hmm. you know? yeah so so we we you know we started uh, you know for well, three years which is 
not a long time for an architecture practice really but we've we've got big ideas but obviously we're we're starting small with the implementation well i mean you've gained all the experience and knowledge that you needed so now it's just uh, full steam ahead isn't it there's literally nothing stopping in with the with uh, such a star-studded team of, of yours, I don't think that's going to really take you that long, right? Well, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. 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 We, no, we keep uh, making steps in the right direction, which yeah. is... That's uh, the main thing, right? Yeah. It's just persistence. Just keep, 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 uh, you know, keep waking up every day, keep doing what you need to do, and it uh, doesn't matter how you feel or, you know, what you need to do, just still get it in, just like a workout, right? Definitely, yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, one other question. The, in, in terms of the stamp duty, what did you think about the whole thing? Do you think it's beneficial for the economy and did it create any kind of bubble, in your opinion? Um, I think it's beneficial. It's always beneficial to, to, to make accommodation affordable for, you know, f um, a section of society that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it but i think it is it's also it also shows um you know a slight uh you know it, it's it's not real it's a bit artificial in a way um so it's kept the property prices um up buoyant but um usually you know when the, when there's um, a lot of money being pumped in, it gives a false pretense of the real situation, you know, and what I'm worried about is in a few months time or six months time, whether there's going to be a, um, a big drop really mm. in, um, and also, you know, with the recession, um, technically we're, you know, we're in a recession, but. Uh, nobody's really you know it hasn't really been in the papers and it's only oh, when yeah. you see it in the papers yeah. it actually becomes real and people make that switch in their minds Absolutely. that we're in a recession and and that's when they stop sp spending the money yeah. and, and and the values drop yeah and that's what i'm afraid of really. that's actually yeah that's a good point i didn't i didn't sort of reach the pages just yet and i think one of the reasons is probably the government doesn't allow the papers to actually do that yet yeah because although they're supposed to be independent i'm sure they still work closely with uh, all kinds of ministers and yeah and yeah. and, and uh, pms and 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 you know the yeah. prime minister yeah, yeah. and it also I, I remember from the last recession um in 2008 um you you know, nobody wants to instigate that. You know, no nobody will will push the button on it. You know, the, when a reception a recession happens, mm. um, everything waits until the floor is taken away, and you, you have no option but to drop. Yeah, and, and everyone's going to post it then. So yeah, there exactly, one yeah. people will be all papers at the same time, and everyone will be, mm. and then. That's what's going to be a domino effect. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's my concern really. Um, that, but but also this isn't the same as a, a normal, you know, as the previous recession, mm. because it's a pandemic. So, on the other hand, there's no reason why, once everyone's vaccinated, that technically you can't start off where we left, where yeah. where we left left off before because it's it's the values are still there so maybe mm. in this you know in this point that we we you know it could just start off where it left off mm. in march yeah 
technically it, it well happen. i mean l l let's stay let's stay hopeful yeah. and uh, basically i don't know yeah. <laughs> no so one does saying, trust me we I, don't I, know, I, I think do people are all the way at the top they don't, they don't know either yeah. but yeah. I, I think it's such a complex matter that you yeah. you don't know until you know you know when when things start unraveling and you're like mm -hmm. okay now now it's clear yeah you know exactly. I, and and obviously retrospectively it's always the case isn't it you look at things like oh well yeah that was obvious but you can never yeah. predict that other way yeah. like you can't see the future but when it happens it's like yeah it makes sense right yeah um, it's, it's obvious what everybody should have done when you look yeah. back yeah especially yeah. with the with the crash of 2008 where it's like yeah obviously yeah th this happened yeah. we should have bought this and that whatever yeah but at the time everyone's panicking and they're like just you know holding to their life savings and a lot of people lose their life savings yeah, and yeah. well so actually uh, at that i mean um that's the, the time when i i i was developing a plot of land it was um at the time of the recession so the value of the pot of land that i was, I was which is why i have a lot of um if, you know concern about um developers and and things like that um, so the value of the plot of land purely because of the recession but also the planning system um uh dropped considerably mm. and really we 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 could have made a lot of money out of it but but really we 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 barely covered you know basically just covered our costs um only with that mm. and that was a combination of pla uh, planning insisting on something on dropping the numbers and 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 this is why from a you know design access point of view i don't let go of what the planners say I, I i fight it because we were made to reduce the numbers but um in that part of liverpool where we would where where the proposal was um historically it used to be a main high street mm -hmm. and there were tall buildings so we were trying to kind of develop that back to you know so we had done our research historical research of what that, that main street in a very bad, bad um you know a deprived part of liverpool really um, should be and what it could be again because history a lot of times re repeats itself um, but they wouldn't see the bigger uh, the bigger picture um, at that time and we were made to kind of reduce it down to something that would bring less people into that area to get it back to being buoyant again right um, and also there had been a lot of you know there'd been a few deaths in that area um, uh, from crime Right. Uh, and what they were saying is it needs to look like the existing properties well, surely you know the idea is to try and change the perception in those areas and yeah. and so you want something that looks more modern and gives gives the people there an idea of what progress is being made and things are changing in that area yeah, like a regeneration plan exactly sort of yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, so I I went through that myself in, in you know in, in in the previous recession. That, you know, the, so the concerns and the frustrations of being a develop uh, a developer in in that part, but also um, the time it took to argue that meant that um, we had to accept um, either go to appeal or accept less apartments on it, and that time scale meant that. The recession had come in, right. so the values had just uh, just got gone yeah. down. Yeah. So, so you know, I 
I I really have kind of um, a, a lot of um, what you call it. Uh, I understand where a developer or a landowner is coming from, you know, because you 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 buy a plot of land, and then there's a lot of things. There's time that can affect it. Mm. There's politics, economics, you know, recessions and things like that that can crop crop in that you haven't been able to well you plan a little bit for but you know and the pand pandemic you know that um it's not like buying stocks on the stock market for yeah. instance you can buy it and you can sell it in you know in in three minutes yeah but you can't do that with a plot of land or a building or um yeah, you know long-term commitment isn't exactly it? yes yeah oh, great, perfect um tell us uh, where where people can find you and contact you easily Oh yes, yeah. So Shog Studio, so um, shock, shogstudio.com, yeah. uh, and the phone number is uh, zero two zero three five six 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 nine four three. If if you want to give us a call, um, we're always available. We can go and have a look at um, plots of land or you know um, any size. I mean, we we get really interested in small projects, large projects. They all have their difficulties and um yeah and and values and and positive aspects so um yeah so please give us a call and uh we'd we'd love to help you out and help to maximize your your value or the enjoyment out of your your property if it's just for you know to get more room or something like that that you want to do Perfect. Um, thanks very much for the invitation. Really appreciate it. Thank you for participating. I, th I think obviously it was a very good one. Uh, you've parted your wisdom, and uh, you know you've advised uh, quite a lot. And obviously, you know, so all our audience uh, definitely get in touch with Gwen and uh, for some uh, you know uh, preliminary consultation before you you, you do the leap. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, the, the main thing is that you have a team, you have the capacity, you're able to help and uh, I think you can easily bring value to uh, you know projects that, that people have so thanks very much again we wish you all the best in 2021 hopefully this is gonna uh, finish soon completely and uh, we'll be all back to normal um, and uh, yeah in terms of the developments uh, hopefully you're gonna develop something for yourselves in the in, in the near future because obviously you know that that's that's what brings the the real money to the table doesn't it fantastic yes and hopefully we can work together absolutely 100 cheers Gwyn. thank you very thank much thank you cheers. Oh, squash, squashes your i know it does squash it after a while a little bit, nice. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.